Hey, this is Jason from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron, located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky. 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettlebell classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606 310 4918. History of science and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to the next. It's a great big world with so much to know, like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast with Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to discuss the history of Michael Myers, which obviously means that we are reviewing the Halloween franchise. Michael Myers is, of course, the knife-wielding psychopath who terrorizes the town of Haddonfield, a fictitious all-American town located in Illinois. Across from me is Michael Myers' third cousin and ex-Haddonfield deputy, Shannon Myers Deaton. How, how are you this evening? I'm doing well. I'm a little scared, though, because I don't know where third cousin falls on the killing off the family list. So. Oh, he'll let you know when you're up. Will he show up? I know Halloween's on the way, so I guess as long as he's still got plenty second cousins, I'm going to right. You might want to call your second cousin to make sure if, <laughs> Just, if, if, they're, if they're still alive, then you're okay, right? Yeah, somebody I've not talked to my whole life. Hey, Billy Myers, uh, you doing all right, buddy? All right, just check and have a great Halloween. (laughs) So, Shannon, I don't want to get uh, too far into the plot, as I know you're going to lead off with discussing the original Halloween film. Yep. Uh, But just know that the Halloween franchise has grossed more than $640 million worldwide at the box office, and they have Michael in that absolutely awful, awful mask to thank for that. They do, and I'm I'm okay with that. That's perfectly fine with me. Make make your money. Just give me those movies. I like the mask. They're, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. So this this franchise has spanned. This is incredible when you really think about this. It spanned five decades, and when Halloween Kills comes out in 2021, it will be six decades. I hadn't thought about that. So you had the original in in the late 70s. So there's the 70s. And then obviously you had movies in the 80s, the 90s, the the 2000s, now the 210s, and now going into 2021. Has it really been 50 years since the 70s? It will be, uh, that's that's kind of rough there. I don't don't like that. No, no, not at all. Time's getting away from us. But literally this this franchise will span six decades when the new movie comes out uh, next year. In this specific episode, we're going to review each of the Halloween films, and at the end of the episode, we will be joined by Mr. Les Dixon, who is a Halloween uh, memorabilia collector, franchise guru, and just an all-around great guy. So we're excited to get his take on all things Michael Myers. And with that, I believe we are ready to dive into Halloween Part 1. So Shannon, Scooby-Doo effect, you know, wavy, wavy uh, screen. Yeah. Take us back to the 70s. All right, Jason. John Carpenter's original horror movie masterpiece, Halloween, was released in 1978. 50 years ago, just about. Wow. Can't believe it. The original title of the screenplay was The Babysitter Murders and The Night He Came Home. Did you know that? I have heard of that just going through all the research and stuff, but... Uh, Doesn't have the same ring to it, The Night He Came Home is... That's creepy. That's emblazoned on the poster, yeah, I think. Yeah, I've, I've read that before, yeah. Uh, I like that for the name of a movie just in general. Yeah. Um, but but Halloween is just the perfect 
Perfect title. It's just perfect. Yeah. So the film is set in the fictional suburban Midwestern town of Haddonfield, Illinois on Halloween. And the central theme of the film is Michael Myers' escape from a psychiatric hospital and his murder of several teenagers. I feel like we've been down this path before. (laughs) <laughs> Were they counselors by chance? <laughs> Babysitters. Oh, so. different franchise. Yeah. Sorry. This, this one's got a twist. Well, okay. I guess it started with this one, and then right. uh, I guess Friday the 13th had a twist. Right. Uh, it's not babysitters. It's counselors. <laughs> Throughout the film, Michael's psychiatrist, Dr. Sam Loomis, uh, played by the late Donald Pleasance, who is fantastic, and really his acting chops, man, are well above oh, a, yeah. a lot of the other yeah. folks in this film, save maybe Jamie Lee Curtis, right. and we'll get to her in a minute. But Don, uh, Sam Loomis attempts to track Michael down and stop him you'll see this will be a recurring theme throughout these movies <laughs> yeah. this guy just uh he, he keeps showing up i like dr loomis yeah so this summary only scratches the surface as this film is a horror classic for a reason and establishes the standard by which all horror movies have been evaluated since and the thing that sticks out to me most about that movie as i think back to putting in my dusty old vhs cassette that i bought from <laughs> walmart of the halloween series is the opening scene It doesn't matter how many scenes have been filmed since then about Michael Myers. That first scene in the very first movie is what sticks out to me the most whenever it's coming on. The scene opens with a young Michael Myers, which we don't know yet. We don't know who it is. He's lurking outside his house on Halloween night. Michael looks through the window and sees his older sister, Judith Myers, and her boyfriend turn off the lights and go upstairs. Michael enters the house and takes a knife out of the kitchen drawer. We can see that Michael is now wearing a Halloween mask because the scene is shot in first-person perspective and the mask goes over the eyes, which I always thought was a neat little cinematic yeah. trick. Yeah, pretty cool. Judith's boyfriend leaves and Michael creeps up the stairs into his sister's bedroom. Judith, his sister, yells at Michael to get out of her room, but instead, Michael begins stabbing Judith with the kitchen knife, murdering her in cold blood. Strangely, Michael also watches his own hand as he stabs Judith with the knife rather than actually watching Judith. Did you catch yeah, that? That's that's you know, at first I didn't really pick up on that honestly, but like the second and the twenty second time that I've watched the movie, I, seen it I didn't times? yeah, I've seen it a few times. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, and I think that's that's interesting. That, that's an interesting little tidbit there. It is. And uh, some folks thought that was a mistake of the filmmaking because we're looking through the mask of Michael Myers. Again, it's shot in first person perspective. Right. You just see two tiny eye holes on the screen and everything that's happening is happening through these eye holes but no you know the it's it's been researched and the or at least they say john carpenter says that that was meant to show the intentionality behind what michael was doing that he was so very obsessed with the action of killing that he was right. just amazed at watching himself he, do he was more focused on the the knife in his hand right than even his sister yeah you know, there yeah crazy Michael walks back down the stairs and out the front door of his house where his two parents appear to be returning from a night out, which always struck me as kind of strange. It's Halloween night and the parents are out on a date or something and yeah. the kid's at, the, at, at his house yeah, by that, himself. Yeah, that's a little weird. It's weird. Well, I guess his sister's there, so <laughs> lucky her. <laughs> yeah. So the parents remove Michael's mask and the, seams, uh, the scene zooms out as the parents stand puzzling over Michael who is dressed in the clown costume and holding a bloody, dripping knife. And it does something that, as far as I know, the other movies don't do in that it sort of does a freeze frame there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Actors just stand still. Yep. Michael's standing there holding the knife. The parents are just looking at him. They're kind of hunched over, just kind of, they don't say anything. And then the camera just zooms back and they're just in still motion. Yeah. They, they don't move. And it's just to set that scene. That part of the movie, for some reason, reminds me of The Twilight Zone. 
I can see that. I, I'm not sure why. Maybe I've just seen that that kind of technique used in different episodes mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, but that moment because that that's right before the, the the title pops up, right? That's right. I think, yeah, yeah. And uh, but for whatever reason, that that reminds me. I mean, it, it's it's a good scene. Mm-hmm. It's powerful, but it reminds me of the Twilight Zone. It feels like it could be its own episode of something. Yeah, just from start to finish. If you just killed it right there, no pun intended. Right. Just left <laughs> he <it alone>. did. <laughs> that that's almost that five six minute opening is almost its own thing. It could be its own episode but there are a few other key scenes throughout the movie uh, michael's seen stalking several teenagers as he kind of gets going after breaking out of the psychiatric ward specifically he's after three characters annie brackett linda vanderklok and laurie strode who is played by jamie lee curtis in her acting debut which is pretty cool by the end of the movie annie and linda are dead Sorry to say, Mm. they didn't make it very far. And Michael begins his final chase of Lori and the two children she is babysitting, hence why it was called originally the Babysitter Murders, right? Uh, And the the kids' names are Tommy Doyle and Lindsey Wallace. And we're going to come back to Tommy Doyle here a little bit. He shows up a little bit later in the franchise. Michael chases Lori and the kids throughout the house, and after several failed attempts at killing her, one which involves Michael slashing his knife through the paneling of a closet. And I love that. It it felt like um, a Hitchcock scene. She's down in the corner and he kind of busts his hand through the paneling of the door and he's reaching for her and then he starts like smacking at the light bulb because it's one of these old-fashioned it just sort of hangs there kind of yeah and you can see the shadows just playing off of the characters as this thing goes back and forth that's just such a cool scene i think it's creepy it's suspenseful and i'm not seeing anything like that in in other movies even to this day but michael finally catches Lori and he starts to strangle her but lucky for her she's able to kind of get her fingers up under his mask rips the mask off which sends michael stumbling backwards and we see michael's true face with an expression of shock and of course for those who have been listening to the podcast very long you know that that character uh, behind the mask well there were there were a few characters but the one in that specific scene when Lori pulls the mask off is tony moran Absolutely. And, and uh, Tony was nice enough to give us an interview about this time last year. It's, it's been probably almost a year ago. I think we traveled to uh, right across the state line into West Virginia. Yeah. And we interviewed Tony uh, literally in an abandoned hospital. Yeah, we did. It, speaking of Scooby-Doo, that's exactly what it looked that's like. How it felt. Yeah. And we were in a, uh, an abandoned hospital room where you, know, you have broken glass and, and just things were dusty and kind of dirty. And, and it was just the three of us in this room. And he was talking about what it was like to work with John Carpenter. And, and literally be Michael Myers. It was sort of a surreal thing. So, Tony, if you're listening, thank you again for that interview. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And go check it out after you listen to this one, folks, because it's a really good episode. I think it's like episode five or six, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. So in this scene, Michael finally puts his mask back on, but Dr. Loomis, sneaky old Dr. Loomis, has finally found Michael and proceeds to shoot him six times before Michael falls off a balcony and lands on the hard ground below. And he's dead, right? And that's the end of the series? Yeah. Except it's not. Uh Uh-oh. In complete shock, Lori asks Dr. Loomis, was it the boogeyman? Dr. Loomis replies, as a matter of fact, it was. I love that line. Uh, Yeah, I do too. So good. Loomis looks outside to see where Michael has fallen, and against all odds, Michael is gone and we just hear dun, that dun, dun. music yeah. oh yeah he survived the fall and the remaining shots are of different empty areas of the house and the surrounding neighborhood before the credits roll yeah and that's awesome 
That is awesome. I think that may be the best ending of any of the uh, perfect. any of the any of the films in the franchise because it's like, is he there? Where's he at? Could he be there? Yeah. How about here? You know, and then and then credits roll. And it's there's, awesome. There's nothing yeah. really too much like this before this film. Like 1978 Halloween just set this up, put it in motion, and man, here we are today. There's been a lot of imitations, but nothing like the original. A few fun facts. I'll just rattle these off real quick, and then we'll jump into part two. It took less than two weeks to write the script for Halloween, and man, it's endured. That's crazy. Yeah. Halloween was set in the Midwest, but it was actually shot in South Pasadena and Hollywood, California, which we talked about before. And if you look very closely, you can see palm trees. Yeah, even, even Tony says that in the interview. Yeah. He does. The film was also shot in the spring, not in the fall, because it had to be released in the fall, because apparently that's when Halloween is. <laughs> so leaves had to be hand-painted and scattered across the set to create the illusion of fall, and the actors would pick those up between scenes, put them in a bag, and transport them to the next shot, because <laughs> right. they didn't have infinite numbers of those leaves, so they were reused throughout. Also, pumpkins were out of season, so the production crew had to paint squash and other vegetables to look like pumpkins and if you look closely at all the pumpkins are kind of elongated and tall and not really the wide fat pumpkin that we're used to finally and you were talking about the mask earlier the mask in halloween was a painted and stretched out captain kirk mask from star trek i think most of us who are familiar with the franchise know that to be true but some may not know that carpenter had a choice between the captain kirk mask and the mask of a clown and when he looked at the two side by side he decided that the Captain Ma- uh, Captain Kirk mask was much creepier. Right. I think the world is better yeah. off for it. And then, uh, but, uh, you know, obviously the uh, the clown mask uh, is incorporated, right? Because that's the mask that, right. that a young Michael Myers uses in the in the uh, introduction. I mean, the, that's the, right. the very first scene of, of the movie. So it'd been a nice throwback if he was still the clown. Right. But of course, the, the mask that he would la- later don was, was much more frightening. It sure was. So Jason, where do we go from here? Halloween 2 debuted in 1981, about three years after the original film. It was directed by Rick Rosenthal, but written and produced by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. In fact, Carpenter was reluctant uh, to have any involvement in the second film at all, and he did refuse to direct it. It was sort of collectively decided that they would make a part two, but that this would be the end of Michael Myers. And it was for a while, but we'll talk about that uh, just, just in a few moments. The story picks up just hours after the first movie ends. Laurie Strode is in the hospital being treated for minor injuries, and Michael is on the loose. Dr. Loomis continues to search for Michael, but eventually Michael discovers that Lori is at the Haddonfield Hospital, and so he decides, hey, I'm going to go kill numerous security guards, doctors, <laughs> nurses, and eventually I'm going to try to get to Lori. He's building his tolerance up. You know? uh, yeah, you know, as, as, it, as it were, as they say. Sure. And so that's exactly what he does. And it's in part two that we also have this ongoing subplot that we find out that Lori is Michael's sister. Wow, wow. Yeah, so you know that, that wasn't clear in part one, but yeah. in part two, they do make that clear. I don't think it was even intended in part one, and just in part two, they sort of wrote it in. Yeah, and they're like, hey, this is a good idea. Let's go with this. Sure. Right? So he chases Lori all over town, and eventually there's this big final scene at the hospital uh, when Lori shoots Michael in not one, but both eyes, Shannon. Uh, he is bleeding from the eyes and just swiping this, this scalpel through the air. And during this time, Dr. Loomis and Lori fill the room full of nitrous oxide, and Dr. Loomis tells Lori to leave, and then Loomis strikes a cigarette lighter and blows up both himself and Michael. 
Yeah. Just so no eyes blown up to smithereens. Yeah. And, you know, and that is, I actually kind of like that scene where he's just sort of uh, literally blindly mm-hmm. just stabbing at her, stabbing and, and, and striking in, in midair. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought that scene was pretty effective. Yeah. Uh, of course, Lori escapes. Uh, Doctor, you know, after the explode, right before the explosion, you know, she, she leaves the room. Dr. Loomis is presumed dead, and Michael Myers is on the floor of the hospital room, lifeless and engulfed in flames. Mm hmm. Credits roll and the film rakes in twenty five million at the box office off of a two and a half million dollar wow budget. So Shannon, what did you think about part two? I, I love part two as a compliment to part one. I think those two in sequence are the best two horror films that have, have been made. That's just my feeling on it. Yeah. I like the the sequentialness of it, if that's the term, where you have the night he came home and then literally just the same night. Right. You know, it's all in continuity. But I think since they were like three years apart, Jamie Lee Curtis had actually cut her hair yeah. between the movies. Yeah. So was she wearing a wig? She's, she's wearing a wig. Yeah. yeah. Because there was about three years that difference between the release dates. Uh, but it was supposed to be a few hours, right? Yeah. I mean, from part one to part two. So so part two got pretty good reviews, uh, and it has actually been looked at more favorably over the years. Uh, it is for sure uh, you know, one of just uh, one of the biggest horror films you know ever made. Uh, but part two was actually a little more aggressive and a little bloodier than, than, than the original. If, if you really stop and think about it, mm-hmm. right? There's some there's some interesting kills that, mm-hmm. that he does in this one that you really don't see in, in part one. And part one was pretty subtle. It was pretty subtle. And so that kind of made me think when I'm watching this now, because everyone says Friday the 13th ripped off Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's true or not after we went through the Friday the 13th right. episodes. Especially maybe, the first one. Maybe especially the first one. Yeah. Uh, you know, but here you could almost argue that the flip. You know, because by the time part two came out, Friday the 13th had already been out. That's true. Uh, and I think maybe even part two of Friday the 13th had already been released before part two of Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so it, it did make me think maybe they were kind of borrowing from that a little bit because be. those movies yeah. were, were bloodier. Sure. So, Shannon, before I throw it back to you for part four, uh, you might ask, hey, what about what about part three? Right? Is, is there part three? Yeah. So in the great words of Tom Hanks's Saturday Night Live character, David S. Pumpkins, mm-hmm. part three is its own thing. <laughs> it tried so, to be. Didn't it? <laughs> it tried to be. So if you are unfamiliar with David S. Pumpkins, I highly recommend that you YouTube that. That is absolutely hilarious. But part three is definitely its own thing. Uh, it did not feature Michael Myers as they wanted the Halloween franchise to take on more of uh, an anthology feel where other weird and, and horrific things were also happening elsewhere in America. So part three is so weird that we're going to spend more time talking about it uh, during an upcoming episode on bad horror film sequels yeah we will that'll be fun so shannon now since we we know what happened to part three at least for this episode how about part four well there was no michael in part three thus halloween four is titled the return of michael myers <laughs> you better put that in there because people want michael yeah they're, they're not worried about whatever happened in part three we don't want the return of halloween three right <laughs> no we, we want to know what happened to michael and at the end of part two well he was set on fire his eyes were poked out and he exploded along with dr loomis so last i heard <laughs> by all accounts this man is dead but 
he's not. And that's how this goes. So as the title suggests, Halloween 4 marks the return of Michael Myers after a brief hiatus in Halloween 3. Also, at the end of Halloween 2, Myers was presumed to be dead because he was again set on fire and he blew up. (laughs) Uh, I I think this was really supposed to be the nail in the coffin for the series. That way they can ensure there's no way they can bring this guy back. He is literally in smithereens. And uh, just one last throwback there. Do you remember at the end of part 2 when his mask is burning, they start playing Mr. Sandman. Oh yes, I love that. Very effective. Uh, again, great ending because you're not Perfect. you're not expecting that song, right? Not at all. Yeah, yeah. good juxtaposition yeah. there. So this movie, Halloween Four, opens with the comatose Michael Myers being transferred from one hospital to another, but he wakes up when the ambulance crew talk about his surviving niece, Jamie, played <laughs> by Danielle Harris. Like, I'm going to lay here just basically dead, you know, for all intents and purposes. And, and but <laughs> but if if I hear I have a living family member, oh. it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> You have my interest. <laughs> That's right. It's like all of a sudden, you know, like Google, whenever you, uh, it, it's always listening. You're like, okay, Google. It's like somebody said, okay, Michael. And he just came online, <laughs> yeah. man. He's, he's ready to figure out what's going on here. After slaughtering the attendants who are working with him, Myers sets out to find his one living relative who is being cared for by her foster sister, Rachel. Dr. Loomis begins tracking Myers again because, man, God bless Dr. Loomis. He's he's on a mission. That's just what he does, right? What he does. I just track Michael. I think in this one, he's on a cane and half of his face is burned up because he was in an explosion the man should be dead but he's not and you have to have him and the body count just begins to add up michael goes on his killing spree by the end of the movie michael is flung through the air after being thrown off a truck and when his niece approaches his seemingly lifeless body michael is revived because again i still have a niece must live must live (laughs) so he gets up he grabs his knife but the state troopers who are also tracking him open fire they start shooting him and michael relentlessly is is just shot dozens of times Mm -hmm. before falling down a mine shaft where once again he is presumed dead and i love how they never check for the body <laughs> yeah must be dead it's now. like this guy has been full of holes we shot him six times in the first movie we set him on fire we blew him up we poked <laughs> his eyes out those somehow sporadically grew back i don't know because he can apparently see people in this one but wouldn't it have been a better movie if he was on a cane and just kind of walking <laughs> just swinging <laughs> yeah. but he falls down the mine shaft and they're like yeah he's probably dead that that probably got him in the final scene all is presumed well and the niece jamie returns home with her foster family the foster mother is drawing jamie a bath uh, when jamie enters the room dressed as a clown kills her stepmother with scissors and appears at the top of the stairs looking like her uncle michael did at the beginning of the first movie and dr loomis is just like no (laughs) i can't have two of them yeah so Again, this is sort of what they did in Friday the 13th. If you remember, they set up Tommy, yeah. the character Tommy. We talked about this last week to sort of be the next generation of Jason Voorhees. Well, here's Jamie. She's of the same lineage as right. Michael. She's seen all these brutal killings, and they set her up at the end of the movie to kind of be the next Michael Myers. She even kills someone in her family in a similar fashion wearing the same costume. Yep. This was a really good ending. I think it was very effective, generated a lot of interest for the next film, but how did they handle it? So we'll find that out right after the break. 
Hey everyone, we're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice slapdash hoodie or a slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. Welcome back. Uh, Today we are discussing the history of Michael Myers. So in Halloween Part 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, uh, that came out in 1989, and and Shannon, they made sure, again, to put Michael Myers in the title, right? I had to. Because you still have some people's like, I remember Part 3 a few years ago. (laughs) Is Michael still in this thing? Yeah, so yeah, we assure you Michael's still in there. Right. Uh, And this time, Michael returns to Haddonfield to murder his niece, Jamie. He's still in in pursuit of of Jamie. Uh, Part 5 starts out really strangely, obviously, kind of right where 4 leaves off. So again, we learn that after he's uh, been shot, you know, 54 times, probably approximately and he falls down a mine shaft uh, that Michael escapes into a nearby creek uh, right before they basically throw dynamite down the shaft right to, to make sure to blow him up once again let's just double check guys just to make sure but he, he escapes that and Michael stumbles upon an old hermit okay <laughs> you know sometimes I just have to kind of stop for a second yeah okay so here we go so he's, he's with the hermit so right? he's with the hermit okay so he's you know I'm, I'm badly wounded right he's been shot and, and, and blown up and different things so he he stumbles up on this, this old hermit he's like the uh, good Samaritan this hermit right bless his heart uh, <laughs> right before falling into a coma right so then he's just I can't take anymore and he falls over yep. so the hermit slowly nurses Michael back to health mm-hmm. uh, literally over a year or right at a year so about a year later michael wakes up and he stabs the hermit to death with a knife <laughs> that should never be uttered i mean think about that you know so you know uh you know i basically fought the feet of this guy this guy takes care of you he, he gets you out of the weather he's obviously feeding you somehow or whatever and then you know about a year later the eyes pop open yep gotta kill him you know first thing you know first thing he does i mean how's that for a thank you you know you you brought up a good point here somehow feeding him how is he feeding he's a hermit so he's not giving him like an iv or anything. i don't he, he's literally just cramming food in this guy's mouth and Make I don't him know. Chew it up, pouring soup down his nose. I don't know. I don't know. That that's that's the one part where I just I had to kind of pause for a moment because you know he's been literally he's being taken care of by a hermit for a year. He wakes. I mean, even I mean, you know, okay, maybe don't even say thank you because he doesn't speak. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. I get it. But do, maybe just leave him alone. Just like, maybe walk off. Just walk away, Michael. You're going to kill many people. Maybe just leave the hermit alone. Yeah. You, know, the you, hermit. you can't get them all, man. And if you're going to let somebody yeah. walk away from this, how about the good Samaritan hermit? Right. Nope. No, her, the, the hermit's the first one to go. And so, so then, it. yeah, he wakes up and it's like, a, okay, where's Jamie, right? <laughs> Is it Halloween yet? Right, right, uh, right where I left off at. Yesterday was October 29th. I'm ready to, ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one important subplot of, uh, of this particular movie is that the viewer keeps seeing a stranger stepping into the frame. Uh, whoever this is, the man has boots and wears a long duster, right? And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes into the frame at least a couple of times, maybe three times during the movie. So you know somehow he's going to come into play, right? The camera just sort of rests on There's no way you can miss him, right? Sure. And so, like in a typical Halloween movie, Michael kills many people in a variety of ways as he continues his quest for Jamie. Eventually, there is a scene where Jamie, Michael, and Dr. Loomis are at the house. Dr. Loomis sort of uses Jamie as bait. 
He lures Michael into the living room where he has designed this trap, like some kind of metal netting type, you know, thing comes down. It crashes down on Michael. Dr. Loomis uh, shoots Michael several times with tranquilizers. And then I like the idea that he, okay, so he has this gun, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, and he shot him like four or five times with tranquilizers. Right. And then he just picks up a board and just starts beating him in the <laughs> head with it. And he just keeps saying, die, die, die. <laughs> you know, so it seems like he would have shot him like with a real gun instead of just tranquilizers. That makes a little more sense. You know, but, but, but he did. But he's that's, been chasing him for a while, to be fair. Yeah. He's, he's ready to take and, out some of that aggression. And uh, so, so he does for quite a while. Of course, Jamie escapes, right? Right. And uh, there's this really cool scene that I do like this scene where I, when I first time I watched it, I, I thought Dr. Loomis has a, uh, a heart attack, mm-hmm. right? That he, he just literally swings this two by four over and over and over. And then finally you, he, he has no more to give and he is kind of, <clears throat> and he just falls over. So by this point, Michael's gone. He's passed out now, right? The tranquilizers, I guess, work. Yeah. And so Loomis just sort of literally falls directly on top of, of Myers and their their two faces are like an inch from each other. Mm. And so Dr. Loomis is just sort of his eyes are wide open and, and it looks like he's dead. And I thought he had a heart attack. Ended the movie, Michael is locked up at the local jail awaiting to be transferred. And we can only assume that Dr. Loomis once again is is dead. Uh, and of course, Jamie, like I said, did escape. Uh, Jamie and a police officer pulls up to the jail only to hear gunshots and see smoke pouring from the doors and windows. Jamie walks in and discovers that Michael's cell door has been blown open mm-hmm. and he is gone. So who busted him out, you might ask? The man in the duster, that's who. The man in the duster. Yeah. So part five uh, only made $11.6 million, but had a budget of $6 million, mm. making it the least profitable film of the franchise. It's a narrow margin for a Halloween movie. Yeah. yeah. The thing I remember about this one is, well, the man in the duster, and we'll talk more about him right. in part six here in a second, but also that they had a real good opportunity at, at the end of part four to turn Jamie into the next Michael Myers yeah. character. And, and they And they don't. They don't. They, they put her like a, in a uh, some sort of a uh, mental institution because she becomes basically mute, I She's think, mute. right? Yeah. And is this the one where she has some kind of telekinetic bond with yes. Michael so and they, has these flashbacks of him killing people and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Uh, but they, you know, so at first I thought, well, Jamie's going to grow up to like the next Halloween would be her as an adult. Yeah. And, and I like that idea. I think that would have yeah. been so much more fit. Yeah. And you could have went in a whole other route with this sure. female, uh, you know, adult killer, you know, but, but they don't, it picks right back up where she's still a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now she's more of the victim again, even yeah. after she, you know, it's, it's, that's sort of strange how they kind of, you know, Hey, we're going to have her to, to kill this woman in part four. And then. Part five, she's back to sort of being just the the victim again. That's kind of weird. It is. So in part six, she actually gets a chance to grow up. Jamie yep. is is grown in this one. Well, for the most part, she's a few years older. But Halloween six is called The Curse of Michael Myers, and there's that name again, Michael Myers, right in the title. We're not in part three land, Jason. This is <laughs> the real deal. These are the big leaks, man. That's right. This movie was made in 1995. This installment of the franchise marks the return of the indestructible Michael Myers, who is targeting Tommy Doyle. Remember from the first movie, he's the kid yeah. that Laurie, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, was um, babysitting at the time, so he witnessed all those murders. In this movie, Tommy Doyle is a grown man, and he's played by Paul Rudd. Ant-Man. He's Ant-Man. Wow. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. It's kind of like that. six degrees of separation from like Stan Lee. You can- <laughs> Marvel. Yeah, you can always get there. <clears throat> So this, again, this is the kid who was being babysat by Laurie, uh, Laurie in the first movie. This is the movie where Michael's supernatural origins are explored. And yes, Dr. Loomis is back again to stop Michael's inevitable rampage of murder. Right. And, and I love how Dr. Loomis is introduced in, in part six. 
Right. I don't remember how, because, how it happened. So, so again, we, we think he's dead, right? So at the end of part five, he, he falls over. His eyes are wide open. He's motionless. Because <laughs> he got wore out for beating Michael with a board. <laughs> because right? you can only hit him like 20 times before you pass out, right? So, I mean, it does it does indicate that he's dead. I mean, they want the viewers to think that. Sure. And then in this particular uh, movie, early on, uh, there there's a, uh, a radio show, like host, that sort of plays into this movie a little bit. Right. And... Uh, and so uh, there, there's a there's a there's a scene where Dr. Loomis is like basically just at his house listening to this call-in show and and he spins around and all of a sudden the viewer you know sees oh it's Dr. Loomis and he's just like I'm very much retired you know and that's and you're like oh Dr. Loomis is back and so then it's like okay here we go it's a Halloween movie yeah we're ready, we're off to yeah. the races and and I think somehow he loses all of his makeup that made him like disfigured and burn up and all that stuff yeah. that should have in the case still been there still right. been there but he he recovers very quickly and he's okay but this the plot of this movie halloween six focuses on something called the curse of thorn a mystical symbol first shown in halloween five and revealed in the film to be the source of michael's evil in the opening scene of the movie a 15 year old jamie uh, played by a different actress not danielle harris is pleading and screaming as she is wheeled on a stretcher down a long underground corridor by doctors in masks which is scary that oh, this yeah. scene uh, was was pretty it, it was one of those quick cut kind of things this one's taken a lot of criticism over the years because it was a completely different directorial style i think right. they even jazzed up the theme music a little bit and it was more of like a heavy metal version yeah. of yeah. the classic halloween theme but jamie delivers a baby during a strange cultist ritual and the baby is taken from her and handed to a mysterious man in a black duster. Uh-oh. He's, he's back, man. I bet it's the same guy from the previous movie. He may very well be. Amid the chaos, we get the following voiceover from Tommy Doyle, Paul Rudd. This one's a little long, but I think it really sets the scene for what Halloween is. This is what we hear. Quote, when Michael Myers was six years old, he stabbed his sister to death. For years, he was locked up in Smith's Grove Sanitarium, but he escaped. And suddenly... Halloween became another word for mayhem. One by one, he killed his entire family until his nine-year-old niece, Jamie Lloyd, was the only one left alive. Six years ago, Halloween night, Michael and Jamie vanished. Many people believe them dead, but I think that someone hid them away. Someone who keeps Michael, protects him, tries to control him. And if there's one thing I know, you can't control evil. You can lock it up, you can burn it, and bury it, and pray that it dies, but it never will. It just rests a while. You can lock your doors and say your prayers at night, but the evil's out there waiting. And maybe, just maybe, it's closer than you think. Doom, 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 doom. And that, uh, that sort of gets your attention pretty quickly there, doesn't it? Do, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can just see the pumpkin forming, right? The yeah. pumpkin's yeah. just blowing up. Michael's, you know, kind of warming up the old uh, the old kitchen knife there. He, he's ready to go. Dr. Loomis is over there sort of like, you know, getting his jacket, right? Yeah. He's going to get ready, you know. Here we go again, Michael. <laughs> Everybody's ready to roll on this one. <laughs> the movie ends with a showdown between Tommy Doyle, Dr. Loomis, and Michael Myers. Tommy finally incapacitates Michael by hitting him in the head multiple times with the pipe, and then he walks outside. And it's so bizarre because as he's hitting him, instead of like blood coming out of the eye holes of the mask and stuff, you know, like a normal human right. being, it's like this green pus and ooze. So they're trying to make it out like Michael's something more than human, right. I guess, at this point. Dr. Loomis re-enters the building, and we hear him screaming, but we never know what happens to him. Michael's mask is seen lying on the ground, but Michael is gone. 
we never really know what happens to either character. And as far as the whole cold of thorn, man in the duster thing, we never get to figure that out either. It just sort of ends there, right? It and does. of course, th- this is one of the things that uh, you know people just have to understand that there that there are multiple timelines in this Halloween franchise, right? I mean, there are some that that literally go part one, part two, part sure. you know, and and there's some that like uh, for instance, we'll talk about in a second where the the latest one, 2018, it's really part two. Yeah, and in in its own timeline. So right. yeah, so in 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 this particular timeline, that's just the end of the story. That's it. We build up. We went one, two, skip three because it's terrible. Four, five, six. That's the original timeline. It ends on six, and they had much more planned for this character. And you can notice this in the credits. If you look at the actor who played Michael Myers, it's the same actor who plays the man in the dust jacket because they were going to set that up originally as that was Michael's brother, his twin, something like that, separated at birth. One of them's the killer, the other one's the controller. And it was going to go off in a whole different direction, but it never really got there. Hmm. But just recently, there has emerged something called the producer's cut uh, of Halloween 6. It was out there on the internet for a very long time, and people were getting these bootleg copies of it. But now there's an official release of Halloween 6 with uh, all all that information put back in. So Hmm. kind of interesting. But Jason, where do we go from here? So next up, we have Part 7. So Halloween Part 7 was actually called Halloween H2O as it debuted in 1998, 20 years after the original uh, in 1978. H2O was directed by Steve Miner from Friday the 13th fame. Thought was kind of interesting. That's cool. And once again, starred Jamie Lee Curtis. 20 years after Halloween night of 1978, Laurie Strode is now the head of a boarding school in California. However, Michael Myers knows about geography and the interstate system. Has he figured it out? And as he is shown in part one, he, he can, can miraculously drop. Somehow. Right? So yeah. so guess who shows up in California? Hmm. So Michael kills many people before Laurie cuts his head off with a fire axe. <laughs> <laughs> well, was it, ready for that, were that's you? That's pretty straightforward. Yeah, so he, you know, she sort of pins him up, you know, and and she has the opportunity to sort of, you know, they have like this stare down, right? And then she decides, okay, this is where I'm ending it. So she she literally decapitates him, cuts his head off with a fire axe. And in this particular Halloween timeline, Michael is dead as H2O picks up after part two. So H2, H2O was very successful making $75 million at the box office. Wow. So in this timeline, that is how Michael dies, is that he dies 20 years later at the hands of Laurie Strode and a fire axe. Some people consider the first movie, maybe the second, and then H2O to be the official timeline, and everything else is just garbage, and it does not exist. Nothing after, nothing in between. It's just those three movies. And I think that's kind of a cool idea, because I really like the way this ended. Lori kind of gets the, you know, she gets to give uh, Michael his comeuppance or whatever, and she gets to to dash the final blow. He's dead. His head's cut off. How do you come back from that? It's got to be impossible, right? Yeah. Is it like maybe, I don't know, like Halloween Resurrection or something? It sure is. So (laughs) Tell us about that. There's a movie that people who like Michael Myers don't don't like to talk about. Uh Uh-oh. And it it is part three. You know, we we don't like to talk about that either. But Halloween 8 is kind of equally in that realm. Halloween Resurrection. 
released in 2002. It assumes that Halloween 4 through 6 never happened. Again, it's part of that. Part 1, Part 2, H2O, Resurrection. Those are the four movies in the sequence. The movie opens by explaining how Michael survived his beheading in the previous film. I'm interested. I'm all ears. How does he do it? Apparently, Michael, in a scene that was not shown in the H2O movie, had crushed the throat of a paramedic so that he could not speak and swapped clothes with him and put the mask over top of the paramedic's head. Oh, okay. So the man beheaded by Laurie in the conclusion of H2O is not Michael. It is the paramedic. Meanwhile, Michael kind of slips off. I wonder if it's Roy the paramedic (laughs) from Friday the 13th. That's a nice connection. I like that. Good job there. But the movie opens officially with Michael returning to finally kill Laurie Strode, who is now a patient in the sanitarium. And guess what? He succeeds. Oh, wow. They had to bring back Jamie Lee Curtis for one final outing. And you think, this could make for a pretty good movie. Maybe he's going to chase her around the sanitarium like he chased her around the hospital right. in part two. Uh, you know, it's going to be a fun movie. But then she gets it like in the first 10 minutes of the film. There's a scene where they're uh, fighting on top of, I guess, the the sanitarium, like on the roof or something. Yeah. And then they both go over the side and they're just kind of hanging on. Michael reaches down. He stabs Laurie, maybe in the shoulder or something, just you know enough to maybe in the back i think actually stabs her in the back she just looks up at him she gives him a kiss and then falls to her death mm, yeah so, that's that a tough crazy? that's a tough scene i remember watching that thinking okay so in my mind i remember thinking so jamie lee curtis is finished that's it right like she probably didn't even want to be on board for the whole length of uh, the movie unless she switched uh, places with the paramedic at the last moment and now somebody else <laughs> falling off the building well she could have yeah <laughs> there is presence for that yeah but you know that was probably the best part of the film and it happened within the first 10 minutes. Everything else is just downhill from there. Yeah, you're like, well, you know, Lori's dead. Now what? You know, What's going yeah. on? What could possibly happen? The movie, <laughs> the movie returns, and it, it just takes a very weird turn. Most of the mythology of the series up to this point is completely ignored. They just throw it out, that out the window, and the plot focuses on Michael killing college students who are filming a reality show in his old house. Yeah. This was the era of uh, the real world and uh, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of those yeah. survivors. I think Coolio was in that, isn't he? It's, uh, well, it's actually uh, Buster Rhymes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, and the film ends with Freddie, who is played by Buster Rhymes, fist fighting Michael Myers, and he ultimately electrocutes him to death. And I hated this. I just absolutely, wow. this did not work, man. Um, no, you're supposed to run from Michael. Whenever the boogeyman starts being right. somebody you can box and you don't really have to run <laughs> from him anymore, it's just not fun. I mean, yeah. it's just not It's not Halloween to this me. This one just wasn't really a good movie. It had, you know, I, I remember watching it. It had two or three scenes, but I mean, every movie has two or three scenes, right? right. That are either cool or interesting or spooky or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just like overall, this one was this one was bad. And, and I'm a Halloween fan, but this, yeah. but this one was bad. And the premise wasn't terrible. I mean, the reality show thing obviously is taking its toll, and that's not, right. you know, who wants to see that anymore? That was current at the time. But at the time, it yeah. was very, very current, and they had some fun scenes or good ideas where like they were they were filming this reality show and they were going to have someone dress up as Michael and come in and kind of scare the contestants or whoever they are you know around the house but then the real Michael shows up kills that guy and then he gets on the loose and the producers are like oh what you know they're thinking well this is that actor we hired but he's going around and really killing people and like dragging their body into the secret dungeons of his house which retroactively doesn't make sense either no I mean you know 
it's a house, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. I, mean I don't know. I just had mixed feelings about it. I thought it's it's a very, very kind of just isolated sort of, you know, just a weird feeling. Sure. It's like it's a house. I mean, couldn't surely you could have gotten out, right? I mean, you're broadcasting this. I know there's phones, there's radios. or I mean, there's a door. Surely there's a door. <laughs> just walk outside. Surely we could have avoided this <laughs> massacre. massacre. Yeah. 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 Well, unfortunately not. And I wish we could have avoided the massacre that is resurrection just totally, but... <laughs> We, we didn't. But, Jason, that brings us up to current day. They couldn't continue this mythology because, man, it's just terrible at this point. It's off the rails. There's no Laurie Strode, but there is a Laurie Strode. So, oh. Jason, how do we bring this series back to its roots? What happens? We have a good old-fashioned reboot, oh. uh, Shannon. So the most recent Halloween movie to hit the big screen was in 2018 and was simply called Halloween. This was another reboot directed by David Gordon Green, uh, and then in this particular reboot, it's basically or essentially a new part two, right? Because it's supposed to pick up after part one mm-hmm. occurred. But again, that that's that's another timeline. It's so H four O by this sort of yeah, pretty much yeah. So of course Jamie Lee Curtis is back in the movie and is obviously the co-star along with Michael. That was the big pull, right, sure. for all the Halloween fans. It's, it's the original Nick Castle, too, back in the... Yeah. Back in oh, that's, that's his true, costume yeah. and get up. Yeah. So Lori has never left, uh, in this particular movie, Lori has never left Haddonfield and is basically a high-functioning alcoholic who lives in a constant state of fear in her fortified home just waiting on the day Michael returns. So she just prepares literally her entire life for this. Mm-hmm. She has a daughter she prepares her daughter for this i think her daughter is taken from her in the movie when she's like 12 years old uh, we don't really see any of this because she's like training her up to be militant and right oh, fight, fight yeah. stuff yeah absolutely people. yeah and since since this movie is is fairly recent i won't go into all the details uh, but i will say i thought the movie was was well done and if you have not already done so you need to watch this movie before halloween kills uh, comes out in in 2021 but i will say this that this particular halloween movie grossed over $250 million, making it by far the highest grossing film of the franchise. It's so good. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. I really like this one. Several great scenes, but I think the opening scene is probably the best. Where you know, uh, there's actually two podcasters in this case, and <laughs> right. and the the these two podcasters they're in uh, an insane asylum, and they go out into this yard, right? And Michael Myers is standing there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sort of like in a in a just a, I guess a, an outfit or like a uniform type, you know, in like a gown or yeah. something like that, or jumpsuit. That's like a jumpsuit. Yeah, and obviously he has no mask on or anything, and so you never fully see his face, but you can kind of see he's older. Obviously, mm-hmm. you kind of see a little bit of the side of him. He's chained up, and they're wanting to get some kind of a reaction out of him, right? And so they keep saying, you know, say something, or you know, do you feel the? Do you feel this? And and as they're talking to him, they're they're literally holding up the the mask behind him. They sure and, are. And he never turns around and looks. Mm-hmm. And and their other other patients start screaming and hooping and hollering, and they're making noise. And then all of a sudden, bam! All the noise just stops, and it goes right into the Halloween music. It's you great. know, I think that's a very effective, super uh, effective. very effective opening. Yeah, they were gonna they wanted to do something different there, and that they didn't have the budget to do whatever else they wanted to do. So actually, that scene was picked out at the last moment to include that. And man, it was the right. Oh, choice. I think it was. I think it's awesome. I don't know what they, what else they had planned, but I think it's just perfect. It's even perfect because it's in broad daylight. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's not even like it's not lightning and, mm-hmm. and, and thunder at night and, and all that. he's chained up. Like, what can he do? And yet, 
it's still so it's still scary so yeah so scary but now I, th- I thought that was a highly effective uh, scene and, and that's the actual first scene uh, you know of, of the movie so now I know that we actually have I guess two other movies that were that were reboots we do so if you want to talk about those just just for a just for a few moments yeah and these were made pre uh, prior to the 2018 reboots but these were the Rob Zombie movies one came out in 2007 just called Halloween the second one come uh, came out in 2009 called Halloween 2 have you seen these i have seen these just because i'm a halloween fan yeah i'm gonna have to say something here i'm gonna have to admit it all right i don't like these i don't either they they really make me feel bad about humanity i mean and it's not the murders it's mm. just the way they talk to each other yeah i mean the care it is literally just one expletive after another the entire length of them so abusive so overbearing it's awful it and tries it, too hard it just yeah and i mean it's and again it's not about the the murders because obviously all these i mean he kills dozens of people every movie you know or whatever but it's just so sad and like it these movies literally depress me and it's not due to the murder <laughs> it's just due to how the, the the people treat one another like the, the characters you know aside from michael mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like these, and I might be in the minority. I don't know. It's it's very dark. It's very aggressive. But I just, you know, I guess to each his own, but these two are definitely not for me. Yeah. You're not alone. The Rob Zombie Halloween remakes were released to mixed reviews. Some people liked them. Some people hated them. It was really polarizing, and they kind of met in the middle. You know, it has some of the lowest ratings of any Halloween movie ever. The film recreates the events of the original Halloween movie, but they attempt to add a motivational element to explain Michael's evil. The films make a case that Michael was abused by his family, to your point about all the verbal abuse and physical abuse. And also, he was bullied at school, which resulted in him becoming deranged and eventually growing up to become a killer. So I, I don't know. There's there's something to me with these the original movies that I like much more. The fact that the killer doesn't need a motivation. You know, Sam Loomis, uh, Doctor Loomis, was really good at just saying evil is evil for evil's sake. Almost. Right. And to me, the the fact that someone can just be evil regardless of their upbringing because if you remember that first movie it, you didn't get the sense that like this six-year-old boy in the clown outfit with the kitchen knife was like abused no, or anything it really seemed like sort of your all-american situation in suburbia really it did you know? and that, that i think that's why that was that image of him becoming who he did was so powerful because it was just he was evil incarnate his family didn't make him that way his upbringing didn't make him that way being bullied at school didn't make him that way he was going to be evil just because he was breathing right and there's something to me scarier about that than trying to dive into the psychology of well what makes someone yeah no i michael myers i totally agree so jason at this point we have been through the entire franchise and even talked about the reboots and we did that in 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 under 50 minutes hey we did pretty good that's incredible that's nice so I think we actually have one more thing to do. You we do. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So as mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we have a special guest interview with Mr. Les Dixon, who is a Michael Myers slash Halloween super fan. Uh, Les has shared some pictures of his collection with us, and he has agreed to be a part of the show this evening. So let's uh, give him a call. Let's give him a ring. Hello. Hey, Les. How are you doing, sir? Hey, fine. Thank you. You guys doing okay? 
Uh, we, we are doing well. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to uh, be on our show. And Shannon and I have been uh, sitting here talking, and we know that you are a Halloween super fan. And so we wanted we wanted your take on, on a, just a, a, a few questions that, that we had. And I thought, you know, I've, I've talked to Shannon, and I thought, who better to answer these questions to a guy that I know has, I'm sure, the best collection in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's something I've really enjoyed doing, and I just appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to talk about uh, the collection of mine and also the movie Halloween, the franchise. Awesome. Okay. Well, man, that sounds great. So we have just a few questions here, so I guess I'll get things kicked off here. So when did you start your collection, or maybe slash how did you start your collection? Well, it's it's really – you guys will probably be really – kind of interested in this part because you know i didn't even start my michael myers collection until probably three years ago oh my so, gosh yeah. wow man. yeah I, um well i'll tell you i've always been a fan of michael myers in the halloween franchise but trying to find really true mask is hard and i was able to uh on Facebook and I got on michaelmyers.net and all of a sudden I started seeing all these uh, collectors and also people uh, folks that made the mask and one of the, one in general his name is uh, Nicholas Dracios and he's the one I purchased most of my mask from. He's in Greece and um, he's, he's known as one of the best there is when it comes to making the ideal cast for different types of Michael Myers mask. How I got to like Michael Myers in general on Halloween was in 1982. I remember this. This is odd, but I remember this. 1982, I'm laying at my house, kind of sick on uh, a couch. I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. The Atlanta Braves were playing the St. Louis Cardinals in the, in the playoffs. Braves were actually winning, but a rain delay came, canceled the game. So... I kind of snuck and turned it on HBO. And <laughs> what think, was on HBO? I think we've all done that at one time or another. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Halloween 2 was on. And I watched it. And I, from that point on, as a little seven-year-old, I was a Halloween fan since. And um, I, I've just always been a Halloween fan. It's just really hard. You know, mask collecting really didn't take off, I would say, probably – where you had good masks probably the last 10 years, you know, finding a Michael Myers mask was very hard. You, you know, you always found the ones, maybe just a white mask, but not the Captain Kirk, Don Post mold per se for part one and part two, you know, so uh, really things have opened up the past 10 years, but like I just started three years ago and I went hardcore at it once I started collecting. Les, that's awesome, and I've seen pictures of your collection, and what you have there is phenomenal. I love that you have the different varieties of masks, and I know that throughout the series, Michael has worn all kinds of different masks. Do you have a favorite mask of the the bunch that you have, and if so, is it tied to a specific movie at all? Yes. I actually have a uh, mask. It's from the original Halloween. It's off of um, Nicholas. Of course, he um, made the mask, and I saw it. I wanted it. It's called a PA8, which is Photo Scene 78. Uh, that means it was the scene where he's 
picks up the phone, Lori Strode's on the other end, and he's just breathing. Well, there's always been an iconic scene, iconic picture of that match, because what a lot of folks will tell you, um, Nick Castle played Michael Myers almost throughout the entire movie until the end, and then Tony Moran played him. Right. Um, okay, Tony Moran played the scene where he gets shot, takes the mask off, and that's toward the end. And Tony Moran, a lot of people don't know, his, his sister was Aaron Moran off of Happy Days. Oh, yeah, she was Joni, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, it's a PS78. And, and when I, why, why, why I mentioned Nick was, uh, Nick Castle as the actor, everyone that's really, that knows collecting from Halloween one is that Nick Castle, there was called a castle stretch in the mask. And this PS 78, you can see the castle stretch in it as in part two, it's the same mask. It's the same mask that's being worn, but it looks totally different because Dick Warlock was the actor that wore the mask and he had a bigger head. And so it didn't have the castle stretch. So what happened was, um, Deborah Hill, who helped John Carpenter film the movie, uh, the original Halloween, she kept the old mask. There were actually three masks, but she kept the one that was used in part two under her bed. And she smoked a lot and it had some discoloration. And that's how, that's how the difference between part one and part two your question i love the ps78 it looks it's almost identical it's got the perfect skull cast to it that you could ask for oh that's great have you seen the picture that circulated where um i I think it's after the rap session of the the first movie where i think john carpenter and maybe deborah hill and some of the others are are wearing masks and sort of playing in a rock band it's like a behind the scenes sort of thing have you seen this yes 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 those were the three masks that they had it was like uh, afterwards, like you said, they had been finished filming and they were, you know, uh, John Car- Carpenter also plays music. So, uh, they had that little rap session there, I guess you could say. And it was, uh, yeah, I've seen those pictures is top notch. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so one more question I have for you, Les. So going back to the collection now you have an extensive collection. I mean, and it's not just Halloween. You also have Friday the 13th stuff and, and a variety of other things. And it's, it's immaculate. I mean, it's just, it's just so yeah. wonderful the way you have it set up. It's so professional. It just, just looks it's, great. It's awesome. Yeah. So if you could add any piece to your collection uh, and, you know, one that you don't already have, and it could be just literally anything, what would you add to your collection? Well, I've all, I feel like I've got everything I need from the Halloween franchise. I've got the mask that everyone would want. So I'd, um, I've got the part four bust of Jason Voorhees from Scareware Productions, and I've got the part three bust. But I'm really wanting the part two bust. The gentleman that does the bust, it's a resin bust um, that works at Scareware Productions. He he doesn't make any part twos anymore. He only made like one, I believe. And I saw the other day that he's making a part two. And I'm hoping to be able to grab that. The way he does it, he doesn't let you, you know, you don't make or you don't place an order and just say, I want it. When he's finished with it, he puts it up on the site. If you're lucky enough to see it when it comes on, you PM him and say, I want it. So that's the piece that I'm wanting. It's the Jason Voorhees bust from Friday the 13th Part 2 because it's really, really rare. And honestly, that would cap off what uh, what what I need because 
the Myers mask. I feel like I've got everything. And one of the biggest pieces in my collection, it's very rare. There's only like three that's been made is my life-size Halloween 2 Michael Myers vinyl poster. And it's vinyl and it's top-notch. And I was fortunate enough to get that probably about a year and a half, uh, about a year ago. Yeah, I saw pictures of that. That is terrifying. I love it. <laughs> okay, so so I, I do have one other question, but first of all, uh, Les, on a serious note, so so how do you sleep at night, man? <laughs> oh, I sleep good. Hey, I sleep good. You know, my wife, uh, we joke, my kids love coming down here to my room where I have everything. Their friends like to come. Oh, I'm sure, uh, yeah. And, and check it out, you know. I've had friends call me and say, hey, my little niece, um, She's got a birthday coming up, and she loves Friday the 13th. Is there any way that you'd let me wear, borrow one of the masks, and blah, blah, blah? You know, I, I sleep really well at night because usually I'm going to bed with some type of horror movie on. <laughs> so so that's just how I am. I, I mean, I've grown up with it, and uh, from seven years old, hey, I, I, this is the honest truth. Back in London, Kentucky, when I was a little kid, this might make my mom sound bad, but... <laughs> I love her, and I'm glad she did this. Um, I was 79, Friday the 13th came out. So I guess I was five, four or five years old. And for some reason, she took me with her to watch Friday the 13th at the Fearless Flick in London. (laughs) Um, I I remember this. Well, my mom gets up at the end of the movie where Alice is still in the boat. So she's walking out. So she's holding me. So this little five-year-old, is looking still back at the screen when Jason pops up out of the water. (laughs) So, uh, and that's the truth. I'll never forget that. I'm sure it scared me about, took five years off my life. Because my mom was like, why are you crying? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, good for your mom. Because, you know, in, in my opinion, that builds character. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Also uh, builds a collection in later years. (laughs) That's exactly right. So that that was a little interesting tidbit I wanted to throw out there. That's a, it's, it's stuff like that. That's, that's interesting. That's, that's awesome story. Okay. So so I've got one final question here. So we have all seen Freddie versus Jason, but we have not had the honor of watching Michael versus Jason. So I ask you, sir, in a battle royale, Michael Myers v. Jason Voorhees, who you got? I've got Myers. The reason reason why is because I think Michael Myers is smarter. I think he, he can scheme a little bit and plan a little bit more. Uh, physical-wise, of course, Jason, the, the version of Jason now, would be a whole lot stronger. But I just think Michael would outwit Jason in the end. I don't know how they could do that movie, but it would be interesting to see. I think it would be awesome to get like all of them, right? Throw in Freddie, throw in Chucky, throw them all in, oh, yeah. and then have like a like a a Survivor type series, like on CBS <laughs> or whatever, right? Where they have to vote each other out. I think that'd be awesome. That's cool. That would put that on Shutter Network and just have like a season series to it. That would be great. <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> Well, Les, listen, uh, thank you so much for uh, giving us some of your time. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate it, and uh, we, we definitely honor what you have to say because we know that you know uh, an awful lot about the, the Halloween franchise. So thank you so much. We, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Les. Hey, no problem. Thank you guys for having me on, and you guys have a uh, happy Halloween. You too, sir. You, you too. God bless. Take care. Take care. Okay, bye. 
Man, Jason, uh, Les is a cool guy. Les is a very cool guy, and he has a lot of cool things in his collection there. And he so, sure does. Uh, I thought he would do a very good interview. I knew he was just kind of you know connected to the franchise, and he would know his his knowledge level of the masks uh, probably four or five levels more than more than ours, <laughs> which is exactly why I thought he would be great for this because he really knows his stuff. So, uh, Les, once again, thanks thanks for uh, being with us. Yeah, thanks, Les, and also thanks to all of our listeners who are following the podcast. Please subscribe, share us with a friend, and also follow us on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram with the handle at slapdash pod and we will catch you in the next episode but don't let michael catch you but we need some music as we leave we sure do (laughs) 